With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. John Austin, and a nickel back to the Tampa Bay. Austin took early. Down the sideline, Corey. And knocked out of bounds, but airs it out. Oh, he drops it in the bucket. Kenny Britt is gone. Touchdown. Give it to Gurley. Gurley extending to the goal line. Touchdown. Todd Gurley. That puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season. And now, here's your host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new Turf Show Times Radio. As always, I am joined by the site editor, my esteemed colleague, and Mr. Ram himself, Joe McAtee. Joe, how you doing? I'm all right, man. Here's the thing. I'm just really bored. There's a, As a Rams fan, there hasn't been anything to talk about, you know, the last couple of weeks, and so I'm just kind of <laughs> devoid of headlines. Oh, who's that Who's that laughing in the background, Josh? That's our special guest for the night. We have a show. We do we do have a guest with us, which I'll introduce you right away so she can just jump right in. We are being joined by the one, the only, the tenacious, I am not letting Jeff Fisher off the hook, Liz Habib from Fox Liz 11 Habib. LA. Liz, how you doing today? I'm doing great. If there's nothing to talk about on the field, at least they created a soap opera for us, right? Because <laughs> it has been fun to talk about it. Every Monday, there's been just a flood of things going on. You know, first Goff gets put in, finally, and then Jeff Fisher denies that he ever said anything to Eric Dickerson after Eric Dickerson goes crazy. I love it. And then Fisher gets fired. I kind of feel bad for everybody because they're sad, but, you know, not for the fans. For now. Yeah. For now, Liz, let, let me ask you this, Liz. You, you've been around this scene for a while. You know this market. What, what is your say? I mean, obviously, it's year one. We're way early into the process. What are your sense of where the Rams are, how they're permeating kind of the sports uh, zeitgeist, of Los Angeles? Are, are the Rams an L.A. team yet? Are they still working on it? Do they need to do more to get there? What is your sense of where the franchise is? I don't even think they're close. They I don't even yeah. think they're close. It, it's so incredible to me. when You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. 
on a Sunday yeah. when the Steelers are playing. You don't drive down the streets and every grocery it's store up. and everything's, uh, you know, full. The, people are watching the Steelers. They're walking around in Steeler, um, you know, um, jerseys. They, it's on TVs everywhere. You go down the street in L.A. on a Sunday and people are doing anything but. I mean, they're just all out doing other things. There's very few Ram stuff out there. They're so far away from permeating the market, it's not even funny. So if they don't put something on that field and they don't get people excited, they're not going to do it. And believe me, the leagues uh, and the other owners want them to do it because the merchandise that can be sold here. So they got to get going. Yeah, how much of that I was going to say? Do you think is the record thus? I mean, obviously the the season didn't go the way they wanted, but the, and that hasn't been anything new for Rams fans. This is the thirteenth season in a row without a winning record. Do, do you think that it's going to take, or how much of it is going to be winning football, and how much of it is just being there and getting used to the idea of Rams football, and you know, getting out of the Coliseum in two thousand nineteen, getting that stadium? Do you think they need to establish themselves as a local NFL franchise first, or do you think the wins can help accelerate that? It's all about winning. Who cares that the Rams have 13 losing seasons? They weren't in L.A. That doesn't even matter. People in L.A. are never going to look at themselves and go, oh, I was a Rams fan in St. Louis, or I'm a Rams fan. Now, now the diehards will. I love the diehard Rams fans that, that have been fans before they even left. But, but if you want to capture the L.A. market, you got to capture a completely different fan. And the fans in L.A. are, they want... Uh, at least make they're sexy. They want it exciting. This is about what is on that field. Look at the Seahawks were here. They'd love them. They want something like that. They want it to look really exciting when it's out there. That's L.A. I mean, that's showtime. You want showtime? You want to come here? You got to bring showtime. So what they're throwing down on the field, you guys, are you kidding me? It's brutal. And it's not about 42 to 14. It's about what was the score of the Seahawks game at the Coliseum? I mean, we were all asleep by the end. Yeah, it's not 1980 anymore. This is a new NFL. It's a new time. They've changed all the rules so the quarterbacks can stand back there forever and Tom Brady can play till he's 80 years old. I mean, it, you got to play that brand. You have to. What you got, Josh? Now, the thing that I'm curious about is you mentioned, you know, the Los Angeles culture and what permeates, you know, covering USC. I didn't even see that. If you go down to USC on game day, you definitely get that. Because, but, but the university's right next to the Coliseum, so it's not that far to travel. It's there. But by that same token, if the Trojans are putting forth a season, say like the Rams did in the lean Kiffin years, it's basically the same thing. It's a barren sort of environment with, with I hate saying it, but it's true, fair-weather fans – is that really just what L.A. is because it's such a melting pot no, of people so who ridiculous. come from out no, everywhere? No, no way. No way. First of all, Fairweather fans, there's still 60,000 people. True. I mean, 60,000 people when they were losing. You know, think about that for a second. Okay, it wasn't the days. It was fun when Pete Carroll was down there winning and the sidelines were packed with people and celebrity and blah, blah, blah. And there were 94,000. There was always 90-some thousand. It was crazy. It was like, it was stunning. You'd walk around outside, you know, Marcus Allen might be walking by. It was so fun, right? Marcus is still shows up, by the way. Ronnie Lott's down there. They still show up. But, um, but so I don't think that's fair weather fans. I, I, I think it's so unfair for people to, to say that, that L.A. people are only fair weather and fickle. The product has to be good. 
You know, if you want to put garbage product on the field, people only have so much, uh, in, you know, income. Around here, it's expensive to live. How much income you got to go to an, a, a game? How much does it cost to get down there? Guys, it's expensive. You go down there, you're dropping a couple hundred dollars. Who has $500 to go to a game on a Sunday? Not me. It's a lot of money, you know, and that's what will keep L.A. fans away, you know, because it's just, face it, where are you going to spend your money? Don't waste your money on something that doesn't matter. And that's one of the things I, I've written about in the past. People call it fair weather. I tend to see it more as exactly like you said. You've got the Lakers, the Dodgers, the, you know, the Rams, the Kings, the Ducks. You name it, they're, the Clippers. Everything is all within a close proximity hell. Even the LA Galaxy produce when it comes to winning. And I, I've always said, I don't think it's Fairweather fans that exist in L.A., though I wanted to ask that question. What I think it is, is that the money has to go, it, it follows the winning. Whichever team in L.A. is doing the winning, that's where you see the money go. And if they drop off, then it swings back the other way. Right now, you look at the Lakers, they're not doing so hot. Trust me, when the Lakers get done with this rebuilding project and they are doing well, the Staples Center is going to be packed to the brim again. Right now, it's just on a cycle. Is that how L.A. tends to operate with their fans? Because, like you said, there's only so much money, but there is just too many sports teams for that money to go around, well, frankly, evenly. The, I think for the, I mean, the, the Coliseum sold out. Uh, let's face it. I mean, those tickets are all sold. There's a lot of, this is secondary market you're looking at. You have to remember what's out there. The, the Lakers are sold out. I mean, but what you're talking about is secondary market with a lot of that. And people can get their tickets for less. I don't know if they're entirely sold out, but they're not far. They're not far. The Lakers aren't far off. It's just the regular people maybe are selling their tickets. You know, I have four season tickets to the Rams. I'm not, we're not going. I don't sit in them. I sit, I'm always in the press box. But my husband decided he's not going. He's put them on the market, on secondary market. So that's all sold out there already. I just think the winning, why should you? You've got so much to do in this town. Why do you want to go to something when you don't feel the organization is committed to winning? Winning is what matters. Winning. And you know what else matters? You need a superstar on the team. Kobe was losing, losing, but people would still go see Kobe in those last couple of years, right? The farewell tour for sure. But the Rams have nothing. I mean, how can you even consider Fairweather fans? They don't even have fans. You only can call someone a Fairweather fan once they've been established as a fan. This team needs to establish fandom here. And <laughs> you can't establish fandom with garbage on the field. Not that the players are garbage. There are some great players on that team. And they're upset Jeff Fisher's gone. But honestly, i got to tell you, I really believe those coaches let down those players. And those players don't realize it yet. Let me ask one thing, and I'll kick it back to you, Joe, just because you brought this up, Liz. <clears throat> I was listening to some of these players talk about you know, how unfair it is and so on and so forth. And one player even said, no, it was our fault. We messed up. Now I'm going to tread very cautiously here because I don't want to make an implication that is completely insensitive. But when you hear things like that, where people say, no, it was my fault. It was my fault. It was, it's almost like the victim are saying that they are the perpetrator in this case. Like I'm looking at the Rams going, yes, you guys have lost games, but it's this, the coaching team. It's their job to put you in a position to succeed. And based on what we've seen so far and iterating on what you've said about garbage, we've not seen that. 
how fair is that to the players that they're taking this on themselves? They shouldn't be, but they're young. Okay, we say it over and over again that they're a young team. As they um, get older and have been in the league longer, or maybe if they get more exposed or get exposed, some of them, this is the only coach they've ever known uh, in the NFL, to a better system, a better coach. 83% of this team has not known anybody other than Jeff Fisher. What was it, 83%? 83% of this team has not known anybody other than Jeff Fisher as their coach. Yeah, and let me tell you, Jeff's, uh, he's likable. Jeff is very likable. Jeff would stand up at the, he stands up at that podium and every single time he answers every question. Now he doesn't give you an answer that means anything, but he still stands there and answers, you know? So he's really likable and they like him. And I bet he very, very much was a father figure to them. And they're young and don't forget either. They moved from St. Louis. He relocated an entire team. They uprooted their lives. They had no idea. Think about that. Have you guys ever moved across the country? It is scary. And I I think people don't, they don't, no one's really taken a moment to understand what that is. So they really attach themselves to this guy. He was the head of that, the leader of that. So I think they sort of, um, you have to think of there's an added thing to that because of that move. They didn't have houses. They were living in dorms. It was really something different. And so they, they kind of attach themselves like he was their guy, he was their leader, or he drafted them. And then they really, I don't think, had any other understanding of what was wrong with the systems in place or what's wrong with the coaches who are there that they're not i don't think they're being set up to win from what from what i understand let's say jack del rio you know their practices are on a whole lot different and that's why you're seeing the product on the field change liz habib on with us everybody tertial radio it's at liz habib uh host of uh what is, what's is the name of the show you do with jackie slater and vince ferragamo please so after the games, when we do post-game, we call it Sports Wrap. And then on Friday nights sports at rap. 10.30, we, we call it, listen to this name, Pigskin Preview. Um, we all wanted okay. to, we're like, what? 1950 Pigskin Preview? And the name <laughs> of our shows, they have to be lawyered up because okay. you can't use anything in the NFL That's with the Rams name, the, the, well, with the Rams name, Rams logo, you have to pay. You know, and listen, you know, TV stations are, are tight ships, man. They're not like doling out money to everybody. So it had to be all taken care of in the with legat. You know, we call it pigskin preview. Who when's the last time you called the football yeah. pigskin? It's not like it's not like all those money bags down here at the blogs, you know, just rolling around in dough, you know, able yeah. to just license whatever we want. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Liz, let me ask you this. Um, this year, you know, uh, between Jackie Slater and Vince and what you're doing on TV, uh, you know, n- n- the normal anchor duties that you got at Fox 11, what, what's one thing that the Rams have impacted? Let, let's say your normal, you know, 24-hour professional cycle that you weren't prepared or something you didn't anticipate, something you, you said, you know, now that we've got NFL football back in L.A., I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to handle this show. And then the Rams came along and they – they they did more than just NFL it up. They Rams it up, and you were like, okay, I wasn't prepared for that. What's one thing that the Rams have done to kind of throw you off? That's a really good question that I, I, I over-prepared. I expected to spend, and I did spend, um, when they were here for training camp, uh, I had took no days off. I, I, I What I did is I expected that. I knew I had to learn a team, and I knew I had to know what I was talking about with the team, right? And so... I um, immersed myself, which is un- this is unusual for a local sports anchor to do this. These are the beat reporters who show up every single day, 
all the time for everything. You know us. We sweep in with our cameras like, hey, here we are. And you know what? That kind of stinks because you don't know what you're talking about the best you can. So I completely immersed myself and I've been really just committed and incredibly busy and not just going to, you know, whatever practices or whatever, but I, I have to go do like, you know, Aaron Donald's playing, uh, you know, Madden, whatever, whatever, you know, all kinds of things. To every Todd Gurley appearance, every single one. And Todd's not very talkative. So He's not. Well, he's not he's not talkative from a media sense. He's pretty damn talkative during practice. What, let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. What, what's your sense of how the organization is being run? You talked about the marketing opportunities and those things. The fact that you're at every media opportunity. You know, this is kind of your first entry into the NFL cycle. Do, do you get a sense? I mean, what, what you know, you've got some recency bias here with the toxic junior high report, and obviously Jeff Fisher just getting fired. Those kind of those things color things differently. But do you get the sense that this is an NFL operation, not just from coaches and players, but as an overall business that's running appropriately? Do you, do you think that 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 things are running the way they're supposed to more or less Monday to Saturday, let's say. No, I don't. I do think that Jeff Fisher knew what he was doing as a head coach in terms of all of that scheduling and everything. I, I do. I mean, he's got a lot of years of ex- experience at this. As far as the operation goes, there, there were so many missteps. I mean, listen, I really believe in the end what did Jeff Fisher in wasn't how bad they were on the field. It was the PR mistakes they made along the way. Yeah. Okay. Number one, not announcing that they'd given him an extension for whatever stupid reasons they had. Now, this is kind of how it's sort of believe the rumor goes, right? That they were working on this on the off season. Now, from what I hear, he didn't sign it in the off season. I had heard that he'd only signed it maybe four or five weeks ago, right? Okay. They're working on it in the off season. They're not willing to announce it because Pete Carroll gets announced. Then they come to their first game, the 49ers, which that was just an abomination. They're not right. willing to announce it then because that doesn't look good. They should have announced it when they were three and one, but they didn't. Sure. And then what the heck was Jeff Fisher thinking <laughs> when he called Eric Dickerson? He called Eric Dickerson and said, you can't be on the sidelines if you criticize the team. What? Magic Johnson criticizes the Lakers any chance he feels he needs to. How does Jeff Fisher, who's from L.A. and went to USC, not understand that you cannot do that with Eric Dickerson. He's he's clearly out of touch. He doesn't realize that the people in this town yeah. still know and love Eric Dickerson. So that was a PR, that was a bad move, okay, because he did that. The next bad move he did was when I asked him on his Monday morning press conference, where did that come from? Oh, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Yeah, did you, yeah, I no said, idea. did you guys ban him? Oh, I don't know. I didn't know. I w- so I leave there i do my five o'clock report i leave there i get in the car and eric calls me he goes liz jeff was the one who called me i say you gotta be kidding me so jeff denies it eric Collins says it was jeff and so now i gotta call back the rams and say okay i call the pr guy for the rams i call him up i go listen uh, you, you talked to artists jeff yes it was artists who's gonna yeah, kill me because yeah. he he doesn't believe i should be telling anyone this conversation i said hey listen uh, Eric told me it was Jeff. He goes, you calling coach a liar? I said, no, I'm not calling coach a liar. I said, but it's going to be a case of he said, he said. So do you guys want to comment on that? You know? And so I knew that. I was sitting on that that for, for a couple minutes. You know how fast the world operates now on social media. Sure. But I'd say I was sitting on that for an hour or two. And I didn't even send it out on Twitter because I was going, holy cow. You know, and there was a there was a little part of me. There's a caution of a real true journalist who's been around for a while. 
Eric told me it was Jeff Fisher, and I sat on it, and I was like, whoa, whoa, am I going to put this out there? Because the Rams just denied it. Damoff denied it, and so did Jeff Fisher. And so it took me a minute before I put it out there and said, this is what it was, and by Tuesday, the story blew up. You know, and, and, and luckily, and see, it was done. I, I got, I got, Eric calls me on the phone like this. We're just having a little phone conversation. Right. And I'm driving on the freeway back from Thousand Oaks. Right. So I, I'm taking no notes. You know, I'm just having this conversation and I went, what Eric, what, what did you just say, Eric? Jeff called you, you know, like that. I couldn't believe what he said because I couldn't believe they denied it. That was a huge PR misstep. It was a huge PR misstep, you know, and then but, Jeff leaks it himself. You know, it's just one, one yeah. thing after another, after another. Let me ask you this, because now that he's been fired, and then Josh, I'll kick it back over to you. Obviously, with you know the, the fact that it, it, it's impossible to distance the whole saga with, between Jeff Fisher and Eric Dickerson from the Fisher firing, especially when Demoff comes out and says that eight and eight, seven and nine wouldn't have necessarily gotten him fired. It's what you said that the results on the field weren't necessarily what have got him fired. The the one thing I don't understand, and you know, I understand there's some you know operational stuff, and like you said, that that there's pressures to keep this behind closed doors. How did how did it get to Jeff Fisher to respond to Eric Dickerson? I've I still haven't, and I've talked to people within the organization. I've talked to media members. I don't understand how it got down to Jeff Fisher to call Eric Dickerson back to say that he had denied the passes. I understand why he did it as a professional courtesy. What I don't understand is why it got down to Jeff Fisher to call him back to handle that request. Do you have any idea how that how, how the whole process worked? You know, the gears of uh, Eric Dickerson requesting those extra sideline passes to ultimately. Jeff Fisher calling him back because that's the one thing I don't understand. Um, from what I understood, and from what I understood from the beginning, everything and anything that came out of there was was Jeff Fisher. So anything we ever heard, any in fact, we we even at, artists sometimes will use the same language Jeff uses. You know, right. um, the thing with same you're making some of our players on yeah yeah this, you're making our the players are uncomfortable. Well, apparently that's what Eric said. Fisher said to him, the players are uncomfortable. Well, well, artists has said that to reporters. You know, there was a reporter who asked some questions in the locker room and um, artists didn't like it and called her producers and said, you know, she made the players uncomfortable. Same language. So, I mean, I think that just and I understood that from the very beginning, that anything and everything about this team comes from Jeff. So I just think he was the ultimate thing. So probably, you know. I don't know why. I don't know why he micromanages the passes on the sideline, or if he's standing yeah. on the sideline, he looks over. There's Eric, and he's heard Eric criticize. Eric was going hard at Jeff. He really was. Sure. Called the offense an embarrassment at one point. Well, yeah, he's right. He was right. He was the yeah. only one who was willing to do it. Jackie and Vince have a hard time going that far, criticizing that much. And I asked Jackie about that. And he just said, Liz, you know, I was on some bad teams, some losing teams. When we were Anaheim, the media turned on us, and it hurts. And it's very hard to do that. So that's that's what he comes from. I got – see, my big question here – sorry, Joe – is this. Is it like we can talk about Demoff. We can talk about Fisher. When I went on radio with SB Nation, I got asked the question of, you know, where – where did Demoff and, and the organization go for here? I said, well, the hardest part about answering this is that the biggest problem you have is that Kevin's the one telling the world why Fisher is fired. Where the hell is Les Snead and what does he do? He's well, like Carmen Diego right now. <laughs> doesn't that tell you everything? You don't need to question it. That tells you everything. He's He's gone. He's gone. The personnel's gone. They're all gone. 
It's gone. They are changing it. They're wiping it out. It tells you something, right? And listen, uh, Eric's going hard after Snead now. And I think Eric Eric may be going hard after Kevin Demoff, if not now, soon. I've heard him. I've heard him go hard at it. He's on a PR campaign. When you look at this Rams team, and you look at okay, I mean, because Joe and I have talked about this in in some extremes, and you say you immersed yourself, and I'm curious as to how far you went looking at Kroenke's properties, because I always bring this up. You look at the way Arsenal is run with Arsene Wenger, another one of Kroenke's properties. A lot of stability, somewhat similar to what Fisher had. Now, the biggest difference between Fisher and 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 Wenger uh, is that Wenger can produce a top four finish, which will keep him in his job. Do you get the sense that the next guy that the Rams are going to bring in, they're looking for a business model of stability more than a coach who is going to win them titles? You know, it's interesting you bring that up because when they came here, and it's the great social media thing. Anybody can contact you. I love it. The world can get to you. I have Arsenal fans who, a lot of people think I'm a fan of the team because I cover the team, and they would send me, oh, good luck with that, Liz. We've, you know, we've had them out here with the Arsenal. They're not winners, right? And that caught my attention, right? AEG has built an empire. I'm going to tell you why this one relates to the other. It's just a theory I have. Has built an empire of building stadiums, essentially, right? And they get these teams to play in their stadiums. So the idea is they get to build these developments, and there are sports teams that play in them. They're making a lot of money. Stan Kroenke has these properties, right, like the teams that here in L.A., that's a hell of an impressive property, you guys. Have you been down to that site where the stadium's going to go up? That's That's going to be really neat down there. That, I mean, my goodness, what that's going to do for Inglewood. It's really incredible. So so it's like the um, you get something that you can put into your development that will excite people to come down there and be there. You need to attract them with something. So it's worth the investment to have the team, to put them in the place, to build the stadium, to have them come down there. Then you can sell all the rest of the stuff with it, right? And that, I, I've been told... I have been going now to league meetings for a couple of years. I've been going to Super Bowls for five years. I've been meeting as many owners and all the lawyers and all those people that are around the NFL for several years. In the beginning, and it was, when was the Super Bowl in New York? Was that 2013? Um, Stan Kroenke was not their number one choice for an owner to move to L.A., okay? I think it's because of the product on the field. But... They ended up overwhelmingly voting to have Stan build the stadium, right? 30 to 2. Because Stan can pay every last cent of that without by himself. So no other league yeah, owner someone. is going to have to be responsible for $1, right? And you know what the rest of the league gets out of it? Who cares if Stan's team loses? They'll have the Super Bowls here. They'll have the draft here. Yeah. They'll have, and they're all going to get something out of that because it's going to look fabulous. It's going to be great. I mean, it really is going to be good. And if you heard today, Roger Goodell talked about it. Now, he kept talking about how great that stadium is going to be. But he also said that L.A. has a lot of challenges. And the chal- and I think what he's referring to in that case is you can't just go to L.A. and have a team and think people are going to show up with the power of the NFL. It doesn't work like that. I've been you know, saying you, that you have to win. the highest mountaintops. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like people in Los Angeles, fans of the NFL, will argue with you. No, it doesn't matter. The NFL wants to be here. No, bro. If you're not showing up, the NFL does not want to be there. You need to be there or they will find somewhere else where the fans will. Yeah. I think they're more interesting. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What no, was go ahead. interesting? 
I, well, I was just going to say is what's interesting is what's coming out of the Winter League meetings now is that, you know, it sounds like the San Diego Chargers are, are they seemingly have knocked down every impediment save for a fourth down play from the city uh, to have the Chargers join the Rams in Los Angeles. And, you know, the dynamic that's interesting is that you're going to go from, you know, a 2015 Los Angeles with no NFL teams to whatever year uh, coming up with potentially two NFL teams. What What is that going to be like? I can't, I, can't, I can't imagine. You know, I was born in Los Guys, Angeles, you, I, moved away from a very young age, but. Well, go ahead. I mean, I, it's just one of those things I can't conceive the idea of the Chargers and Rams in Los Angeles. I, I totally agree with you. Can you, at least with the Rams, what we saw, and I didn't really realize this, and this really stood out to me when the team came. I really didn't get the Rams fans, the amount of Rams fans that really did still exist here. Okay? Yeah. There is a base there. There really is. These, the fans, right. the loyal fans are really incredible. And they're, they're great people, these people. I'm not kidding you. They're really nice people. Um, but um, I didn't realize that. So there's you at least you had that. You don't have that with the Chargers. You do not have that with the Chargers. Now, if you can bring up the Charger base from from uh, down in, in San Diego, okay, if they'll come up, and they might. I mean, look, a lot of people travel to Oakland for the Raiders. I would argue, I would argue, who cares about the Rams or the Chargers in L.A.? The Raiders would have been the best team to have in Los Angeles because sure. the fan base for the Raiders look at Mexico City. I mean, the Raiders could lose. They could lose. They were losing. They still have great fan base. You know, there's a that's just a great fan base, and that would have worked better. The league owners will are not down, will not do it. They do not want Mark Davis to suddenly have his the value of his team triple. They don't want to do that. Mark has paid off all the debts his dad had, everything. Why are they so afraid of that? It's not that they're afraid of it. I don't think they're afraid of it. I think it's an ego issue. Uh, That's my guess. They don't want him to be bigger. I don't, I don't. They may not think he's the right guy to be the face, like him walking around as the owner, uh, the face of the the league. Here, I gotta tell you, I really like Mark Davis, and I really think people have the wrong idea. You yep. know, um, Liz. I mean, I was gonna I say know. that's mm-hmm. sorry. That's uh, something that I don't understand. Is is why is the league so against Mark Davis? He seems I don't like, either. Like a very. Mm-hmm likable guy and is obviously committed to having his team be successful i don't understand it's the haircut it's the haircut look you can't let a man with that haircut. huh no what were you gonna say come on liz you can't defend that haircut oh listen can you guys let let's kind of put ourselves in, in park avenue nfl for a second okay look these guys these lawyers and these hot shots and these guys i mean they walk around like, dude, I am Ivy League and I work for the NFL. You know what I mean? Like that that's who we are. And we're we're in our we're in our, you know, we're in our New York offices and we're in our Italian suits and we are the shit, right? That's how they are. Okay. Now, you see guys like that who are making all their money off the league and they look over and they see Mark Davis. And what do you think they think? That's too hard. They you know what? They, yeah. Like he doesn't know anything. That, you know, he's, what does he know? He's just bumbling idiot. He's he's well, not. He's well, committed to that team. He is. He doesn't have the money, sure. Sure he doesn't have any money. Is it part of it, is part of it simply that he still has his father's last name and the league wants to might be. distance themselves from that? I just think it's, you know, I think, like to them, Bob Kraft's the ultimate owner. And Jerry Jones. 
right? Okay, so now look at those two versus Mark Davis, right? And, and they're businessmen. Stan Kroenke's a businessman. They're successful in other areas. You know, Mark Davis is, does nothing, has no proven anything, right? Um, so it could fail. It could just be a miserable mess. But he's proving so much right now. Jack Del Rio is doing so much. You know, has since he's taken over, the team is really starting to look like something, right? Sure. So he is proving himself, but he doesn't have a dollar. I was at an NFL owners meeting with, when Mark came last year. Mark flew Southwest. Wow. But he's, but, but, look, guys, I want to tell you something. But he's so beautifully authentic that he didn't have a problem telling me that. You know? Like, I'll call and text Mark to talk to him. Right now, he won't talk to me at all. I think he's just so, he doesn't want to, like, screw anything up. Huh. You know? So he won't talk to me at all. So, I mean, look. Uh, everybody from the NFL, if they're listening to me, probably think I'm a complete idiot. I'm not a complete idiot about that brand in L.A. I know I'm not. I was sitting after the Super Bowl at um, dinner with some people connected to the NFL, and they they were they gave me a hard time. They're like, the only reason why you like the Raiders is because you like the logo. I'm like, what? <laughs> I like the logo. Yeah, the logo kicks ass, but that's not it. What are you talking about? I know what the fans here like, and they like that brand. They do. And also, Liz, bringing it back to the Rams, uh, if that's okay, guys. Uh, Sorry. I, uh, you were talking about the fact that the Rams, above and beyond anything else, need to win. Yes. Could, yes. Part, of, yes. could part of what's going on with maybe the organizational philosophy right now be that even though... The fans see that they need to win. The media sees that they need to win. And just the market itself dictates that they need to win. That maybe the organizational philosophy is, okay, we're still building a stadium. We're new here. Uh, let's kind of wait until we get into that new stadium. Even though in a perfect world, it'd be much better for them to have that momentum going into the stadium? Why would that be the philosophy? The stupidest philosophy I've ever heard of then. Why? You I'm just throwing it down. out there. You have the... This is... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know you are. Um, but, but even to suggest it, if you're going to come into something with that philosophy, what kind of winner are you? You're not. You're a loser. You, you know, the philosophy should be, and if you know anything about Los Angeles, right, you got to be it. You got to be cool. You got to have swagger. You got to be something. People should know these players. Todd Gurley should get his hair out of his face, and he should be the coolest dude in town. People still don't know the players. The kid, little kids, know Jared Goff, but they've kept Jared. Jared doesn't have that type of personality. So you just got you got to attack it. You have come in here with an opportunity, right? So why would they have that philosophy? That'd be a ridiculous philosophy. Their philosophy should be. Win. If, think if they came in here and they won and they went to the playoffs their very first year here. Holy cow. They right. could jack up the ticket prices next I, year. I they agree wholeheartedly. Jack up those ticket prices. I just, you mm -hmm. know. PSLs go up. PSLs are going to go on sale in January. Right. Right. Just looking at. I mean, look, they had that opportunity. If this team was good enough to go to the playoffs, those PSLs, could, they could have raised the price on them. Yeah. They I, could have. I mean, it's just hard to. to understand where the where the organization's going if uh, you know they've done market research look the, the roger goodell told us for years and years right we know there's a big appetite for the nfl in la oh you'll hear you heard we used to hear kevin demoff say that 
Yeah, we know the people in L.A., there's a big appetite for the NFL in L.A. So the studies were done. We know there's a big appetite for the NFL in L.A. And the ratings on television were great. We were just killing it on Fox. You know, we always had the game of the week, right? So we're killing it in the ratings on Fox, right? So the appetite in L.A. is great. Okay, that's one thing. But is that enough? Is the power of the NFL enough? And I argue, no, not in this town. This isn't Cleveland where there's not a lot to do. Right. You have to win. You have to be a team that people care about or lose in a spectacular fashion. Right. Go ahead, Joe. And like I was just going to say, like Fred Roggins been showing every uh, every Monday that the Rams come in as the third most watched, you know, NFL game of the week. Uh, I think your point, Liz, that the that the Rams uh, being just a part of the NFL isn't enough. They've got to stand out. Liz Habib, everybody, at Liz Habib on Twitter. Uh, Liz, I've got one more question for you before we turn it over to the rest of the group. Um, you know, the, the, clearly this has been a wash in terms of how they've entered the market. Jeff Fisher came in, uh, dominated the way the team was being run, and has now been fired. They've The, the entire future is kind of up at, at, in, in, a, in a giant question mark, we don't we don't know who's going to run this team. We don't know how they're going to mesh with Jared Goff. We don't know whether it's going to be an offensive, defensive mind. What if you had to paint, or if you if you were betting, if you were going out to the Morongo and, and you were saying, "I'm going to put my money on this as being the situation for the Rams in 2017," what what's the situation? Who's the head coach? What is the feeling? What what is your sense as Liz Habib of how you're going to talk about the Rams? Let's say ten months from now. I'll tell you what I think would be the best situation, Jim Harbaugh. And the reason why I think it would be the best situation, although he keeps coming out, oh, he, he made his statements that, you know, those where well, I'm not going anywhere. Those are our enemies saying those things. The reason why is because there would be cameras every day at that at, at Rams practice. And, you know, ESPN, NFL, they would care. They would cover it. There would be something going on. The expectation that something would happen would be so great it would create that interest again, right? He would be a good guy for a young quarterback, right? And that would be exciting because right now, they, as far the way I see it is, they got some great defensive players and they have two guys on the offense, yeah. Gurley and Goff. Do you think that matters? Gurley, Do you think we're that matters not sure. Does it matter to the Rams, though? Like, does it? Does the idea of having the cameras there every day and the attention, does that really, does that really spin the cycle inside the, the headquarters? If it doesn't, it should. This is Los Angeles. If it doesn't, it should. And if it doesn't, then I think they're failing. Then they're failing. I mean, you guys, I'm in L.A. I mean, I know what drives things here. I'm here. I've covered two, two Laker championships and one where they lost to the Celtics. I've covered the Stanley Cups. I've covered the, you know, the Dodgers. I I see what goes on with the, the Angels have some tremendous players. I mean, Mike Trout wins, uh, you know, MVP for, and they're on a losing team. We barely covered it at the end. We didn't care. We don't care. You know, that kind of player. And we don't care. So, I mean, yeah, it matters. You want that attention in this market. That's It's hard to break through. So, in the real world landscape of possibilities, setting Harbaugh aside, because oh, yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people agree with you. And in, But there's no telling where Harbaugh is going to go. According to Harbaugh, he's right. not going anywhere. Yeah. Saban said the same thing, though. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Saban said emphatically, I am not 
you know, going anywhere. And then the next day he was the head coach of Alabama Crimson Tide. I think the NFL money. Here's my question. I, I got two kind of, uh, let me stick with one about Harbaugh and then a, a more nebulous one about just general coaching prospects. If you look at how close Harbaugh came, if you're a college coach, Jim Harbaugh, doing really well at Michigan, but this is a guy who reached three straight NFC championship games and lost on a last-second play in the Super Bowl that, if you ask 49er fans, they were going to win prior to that, you know, the stadium lights going out. Yeah. How, how much, as you know, Harbaugh being a competitor, how much do you think that that has to eat at him? And will that, not that you necessarily know him personally, but just in general, will that, do you think, maybe bring him back to the NFL in a head coach capacity because he came that close. No, I don't think that would bring him back. I think his wife doesn't live like living in Michigan. And I think that would bring him back before the rest. You guys forget you guys. Everyone always thinks everything about coaching is based on their win loss. And they're done. These guys have families and wives too, and they can be very influential. And, and look, I mean, I know some things about that because I, I know some coaches who have coached with Harbaugh. And um, and I do know that his wife uh, doesn't like Michigan, and I think that's a big deal. You want to stay in a place you don't like where it's freezing cold? Imagine that every day. Jim, I hate it here. Jim is cold here. Jim, can't we move? Jim, how about that opening? Think about that for a second. Don't ever underestimate that. That could oh, no. be something. And by the way, do you guys? What do you know about Pete Carroll's contract? How ironclad is Pete Carroll's contract? Because Pete Carroll would be great, too. And the other thing about Jim Harbaugh, you know, it's the 49ers thing with Jim Harbaugh. It's the Pete Carroll thing with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, it's fantastic. It's so good. You know, it's so good. But how ironclad is Pete Carroll? Just because we heard he got an extension, what does that mean? I, I don't See, that's know. What I don't know the answer to these things. With, with Carroll, I, I was with you because I brought this up. It's basically like coming back home to Los Angeles. I brought this up on a previous podcast. It's basically like coming back home to Los Angeles. You know the Coliseum inside and out. Now, Kroenke seems to be the kind of guy, much like Paul Allen, who would afford Pete Carroll. Look, if you will let Jeff Fisher tie Dan Reeves for the most <laughs> losses in NFL history, I if you would allow Pete Carroll the leeway to build and construct the team as he seems fit, even if that means getting rid of a couple important pieces, maybe somebody like an Aaron Donald or a Todd Gurley in an effort to rebuild due to the lost capital. That's my problem right now. If you're Jim Harbaugh, if you're Pete Carroll, why would you take this job knowing that Snead and Harbaugh have basically mortgaged the future for a head coach. Right now, the only tradable piece they have that would move them back into the first round, in my opinion, is Aaron Donald. That's the only guy they can move that would bring them a couple of picks back and get them back into that area. And then you've just traded away your team's biggest and best player. Wow. Yeah, I'd hate to. Yeah. I mean, wow. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. It's just, I, I, I don't know what they could do. Anything could happen. Let me also throw this, let me throw this in. When you hear Roger Goodell at the, the owners meetings say something like, LA has its challenges, and you know the NFL does not want the teams to fail out here, don't you think maybe they may have some influence in some of this? I, I don't know what I'm saying here exactly with this, yeah, yeah. But, but I think that They'll be, I think there'll be some encouragement to get 
something decent going in L.A. Do you like the idea of Josh McDaniels or does that bore you to death? Or do you think people out here are so into not everybody loves the Patriots. OK, not everybody's a Patriot lover. And out in L.A., I'm not so sure, you know, there's they people are going to be. Oh, yeah, that's great, man. You know. Great. McDaniels would remind people of Lane Kiffin, though, wouldn't he, in a strange way? I think way? so. Yes. Yeah. Although for a minute I thought Lane Kiffin was going to end up coming, but <laughs> I just I don't I don't know why. But that's far. He's just fallen so far. But I mean, I think Jim Mora will be back in the conversation, which is I don't know if that's a good thing. But he, may, I think Jim Mora could end up back in the conversation. I, I just feel like it's L.A. If you get a splashy coach who could be a winner, who is a winner. I think you're going to do yourself a favor in Los Angeles, you know, and this whole business, they don't care until they get the new uh, place. Yeah, they do. Because with every win, with every, and Stan Kroenke knows this, with every bit of excitement, with every bit of exposure, ding, 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 the property value goes up. Why wouldn't you do that, guys? I mean, if you're a businessman, you tell me, why wouldn't you use your asset to the best of your ability? You guys tell me. It makes common sense to me. I didn't go to MBA school. I don't have an MBA. I don't know anything about it. I I went to a business school, but unfortunately, I chose the master's in public administration. So I would have to ask (laughs) my wife. She got the MBA. Well, I mean, isn't that the idea, right? Yeah. If this is who Stan Kroenke is, if he uses, we talked about that earlier, if he uses his properties, as in his sports teams, to build developments, to get development, you have to use that to the best of your ability, Right. Make it really the, work the, for you. The thing I don't get about the whole, and I, I, I throw this out every guest, and we've had tons of guests, Liz, on this podcast and people that we've talked mm-hmm. to on the site, about the idea of 2019. And I get the idea that they can try to target that as the return of Los Angeles football. If you look at this this season, almost every headline you've gotten coming out of this team has been negative whether it was trading up to draft Jared Goff and then not playing him and then putting up a losing record and then and then finally waiting to play him you know when they did and then having him go 0 4 or whatever the record is you know to this point and then Eric Dickerson and then the the reports everything has been negative and i get within Los Angeles it's one thing to the rest of the country it's still the same problem and that Rams football is just inherently not working and so the, the idea that you can wait till 2009 this is one year of this. You go two, three years of this, and it's not Rams football. It's Los Angeles Rams football again. The honeymoon's over, and people are going to start associating this with Los Angeles again. You know, I heard something from an employee of the Rams that that I didn't – that it kind of struck me, and I'm, I remembered it. And she said to me, um, it's going to take like 10 years Right. That she was talking about the fans in the stadium before they become all Rams fans where it's really Rams fans. And I thought to myself, 10 years, you think it's going to take 10 years to develop Rams fans. You went on that field. It'll be all Rams fans tomorrow. This town would love that. It's not going to take 10 years. It might take 10 years if you lose. But what I'm getting to is someone in that organization is was sending that message down to her level. It's going to take 10 years. That's a bad sign. It's not going to take 10 years. If you win, if you win. You know, the Kings, no one, no one, go, you guys go to hockey in L.A.? No, there are the diehard Kings fans, but hockey doesn't sure. get a lot. And, you know, it doesn't. When the Kings won the Stanley Cup, it really did change for the Kings. 
winning is all that matters. It really is. I've had people, I've had every sports figure in town. For years, we've been covering this story. They have to win. When they come here, they have to win. Don't come here as mediocrity. So um, they're not waiting to 20. That's stupid. Then guess what? You lose already. 10 years. What are you waiting for? You're losing money then every day. So my question is... What do you guys think, by the way? Let me ask you guys. Go ahead. Yeah. Is Jared Goff a good pick? I said no. I was team Carson once on this one. Having, you know, I, I was a Pac-12 guy. I watched Jared Goff for a number of years. And oddly enough, Athlon had me cover Cal uh, several times, too. And um, every single time that I watched Goff, I, you know, there's a presence about him, no doubt. And you could understand why this kid could convince somebody to dra- convince a team to draft him number one overall. But when the, the, the chips were down and the odds weren't in his favor, I can't count the number of horrible games he put up. Anytime he had a chance to make a statement against, I guess you could, I hate the term NFL defenses for college football teams, but it comes up a lot. So for the sake of argument, we're just, you know, your Utahs, your Stanfords, your USC's and so forth. Anytime he went up against one of those teams, he got destroyed. I just don't see that as a sound investment. If you wanted sure. to pick him in the first round, sure, but to move up that far and get him, I see. Yeah, but what did you nope. think in these last four games? No. And, and that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. That's the difference. Is, it, is We can analyze Jared Goff at Cal with everybody that was around him at Cal, who almost entirely wasn't NFL caliber. He comes in the NFL and what he's done in the last couple of games. Here's, what, here's how I would answer this, having seen Rams football since the 90s and dealing with all this stuff. You're going to get a lot, and Liz, you're going to see this. You're going to have to cover this. There's going to be a lot of NFL teams who go to the NFL playoffs this year that don't have awesome quarterbacks. They don't have quarterbacks in line with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and whomever. You're going to have teams with good quarterbacks that don't make the playoffs. The, the, the difference for the Rams is whether they've not had the quarterback or whether they've had the quarterback, Sam Bradford, a number one overall pick who won rookie of the year, and now Jared Goff, a uh, number one who they traded up for, they're still headed to the same end, which is not the playoffs. The, the Rams have to find a way to put forth a, a winning season. This, this is the only franchise in the NFL that hasn't had a winning season since 2003. They're the only one. And, and so I, I get the idea that Jared Goff's this, uh, you know, the, this attraction in terms of his Q rating and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the draw in terms of marketing and this kind of stuff. You, you, you can get to the playoffs with mediocre quarterback play, and you're about to see a bunch of teams do it. And, and the, the fact that the Rams haven't done it, that's the bigger problem to me. Jared Goff went out there and threw three touchdowns against the New Orleans Saints in the first half, and what happened? They ended up getting their asses handed to them, right? And it no wasn't kidding. the quarterback's fault. It was the team's fault. And, and, that, and that's the bigger problem is that there's something infecting the entire approach to the team's output and it's not just a, it part of it's the quarterback sure but it's the entire team but can i ask you guys it, 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 you're you're a great person to ask this so since 2003 when and i wasn't it just last year when did stan Kroenke become you know the owner when did the the family bye-bye when was that last year two, when they're gone it's 2010 well, that was that was 2010 when he took over as full ownership and now no, but two full years later. ownership i thought they were still involved up until to not too long ago 
I think they were no. involved, but I think that I think the agreement was in 2010, and so he took full ownership then. There might have been something behind the scenes. Now, this is where you know you might have to ask somebody other than me. To my understanding, 2010, Stan Kroenke took full ownership of this team and the full authority to oversee the management of it. Now, the other thing, you know, was getting out of. The St. Louis. So, so if we're if we're transitioning to say this, how much did the owner have in a say of how the team was being run? A lot of that was dealing with St. Louis, and you know this as well as I, Liz. A lot of that was yeah, uh, yeah. What what's the right word? Dealing with fine print and trying to get and and doing it in a way. And you know this, Stan Kroenke has tons of business interests in Missouri and tons of business interests in the in the St. Louis area where he can't necessarily upset the local business community and, and the political climate out there. And and I think he did a good job of doing that the way that he did in terms of getting out of there. But uh, to my understanding, two thousand ten, well, full ownership and, and full uh, authority. Okay, well, let me also say this or ask you this. Right before he left, he he put out the report right at the owners' meeting that just crushed St. Louis. Right, how it was economically dying. Remember that, and everyone in St. Louis was very upset. Hurt, hurt everyone's feelings. Okay, if you're in a city that he's done the studies on, according to his studies, and he's the businessman, is economically dying. Why are you putting good money after bad? Why are you putting good money? into a team or good thing into a team that you're not going to get anything back from in that time. Sure. What investment is that? Okay. What, yeah. just as a businessman, right? Yeah. So now you come to LA, now the possibilities exist. Now they exist. Can we believe maybe there's a difference here? I don't know. Maybe you guys are right. Maybe it's just, oh, it's the same old Rams, same old Rams. The Rams haven't been anything since, you know, the eighties, right? Well, no, no, I'm sorry. I missed the Super Bowl there. Great, still on turf. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm just asking. I don't know. Why wouldn't you when you have the opportunity to make so much more money? And St. Louis, you know, maybe the opportunity didn't exist. Right. But you have the opportunity to make so much more money in a town like L.A. Why wouldn't you put it in? And that's what that's I think. Perfect. They get those ratings. The ratings are coming down on our air, okay? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think what it was. Let me just give you a number, eight, okay? I'm going to give you it was something like an eight, okay? An eight rating, which means 8% of the people with TVs in Los Angeles have the, on and turned on to the Rams, 8%. In a market like Pittsburgh, it's probably 30, okay? Yeah. When I, I was talking to the heads of Fox, the Fox Sports guys, all right? I said, What's, guys, what can we expect as a good rating before we started everything? And they said, we're going to base it off New York, Liz, okay? So if we get a 16, if the Rams do a 16, that's really good. Guess what, guys? I think they did an 11 once. They're not anywhere near that 16 right now. Now, if they get that, and you get that, and you get that from a double that up to you're making more money. You're going to make more money. So why wouldn't you do that? And if you can make more money, you can help pay for your development, you can do whatever, whatever, whatever they do. I don't know. You make more money and the league makes more money. Why wouldn't you put it at? There's an incentive that maybe they didn't have in St. Louis because it didn't matter if the team could have won. There's, it's finite here. It's it, it's probably finite, but it's a, there's a much higher ceiling. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I didn't, I didn't go to NBA school. I love it. Wow. Hey, Anything's possible moving forward, and that's the great thing for the Rams. Liz, at Liz Habib, uh, what what else do we need to plug, Liz? What's what? Uh, Emmy winning? Emmy winning? I didn't mean to jump before that. I I just wanted to ask that one last thing. So, 
before we get out of here, removing Harbaugh, removing Carol. When 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 you look oh, at yeah, this at did, the end of the day, hey, hey, hey. Well, all right. Let, let me let me put him back in here, and we'll just get you out of here on this one. Gun to your head, so to speak. Who do you think will be the next head coach of the Los oh, Angeles? Damn, I, know, I have no right? idea. Maybe Mike Tomlin gets fired at Pittsburgh, although they're starting to look well, better, right? <laughs> and the Rams pick him up. But Pittsburgh's coming on, right? I don't know. I share a good brain, man. We do. We do. Really? Did you we say are. something like that? I, I, Tomlin, I thought Tomlin would be a good choice. I, I, I threw it out on Twitter once asking, you know, hey, maybe Mike Tomlin could use a change of scenery. And the amount of no's I got back from people was almost astounding. It was like, I, I, I'm surprised I didn't get a delete your account tweet, honestly. <laughs> so, what about Green, I, guys? Guys, I honestly, what's the answer? Look at he coached it 10 years. Why would you want a guy who hasn't coached in 10 years? I don't think he's the answer. I don't know why everyone thinks he's the answer to everything. Because you guys listen to him on Monday Night Football with his, you know, that's a jet sweep to the da-da-da. I can't stand hearing all that stuff. You know, I, I know that there are plenty of people out there who love that kind of thing. I, I don't see I don't see it. I don't see it. You're right. You know how different the league was 10 years ago? I know he's around it and he analyzes it and everything now. But that league moves it moves in warp speed. It moves. So, no, you're right. He hasn't been there in 10 years. It's a different league than it was then. But whatever. I don't know why it's Gruden, Gruden, Gruden. He clearly loves the attention because he doesn't squash anything. Maybe it will be Gruden. I wonder how many why phone calls. Why is Gruden a great idea? Why? Hmm? I seriously wonder how many phone calls his agent actually gets. Star power. Wow. Yeah, but, but star it... power's great. I, so I think star power's good for California, but... I think you could do better than Gruden. I think you could do But, uh... I mean, who else do you guys like? You know, I I don't know. I I really don't know what they could do. I really don't know. The name that I really like, and and I've said it would be damn near impossible to pry him away, but I'm always leery on dipping into the college ranks. But if there's anybody that I truly think could succeed, it'd be David Shaw. Well, David Shaw was at the facility. He was at the facility. He was there at a practice. And he was in the locker room. I mean, so he was probably got the whole, you know, nine yards. He got the whole tour. And, and he was there, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. So he was uh, there. And, I'm carrying this. So, I, I, you didn't know that? I don't, I don't like the idea of bringing in a college coach to L.A. I really don't. I think, see, uh, you know. Shaw could do it, though. This is a guy who has the demeanor, the temperament. And I know that, that Stanford is a different place and he does the L.A. The L.A. media is much different, but Shaw has done so much winning lately that the amount of tension thrust upon Stanford, I'm sure in the past, I don't know, five, six years, is more than they've had in their entire history. Um, I say that jokingly, but I just don't you think he benefited, though, from from Harbaugh? Do you think he sure, sure, I do, but I also think that he had to overcome some things that were there after Harbaugh left, and and I think that he uh, see Harbaugh got Stanford, got the ball rolling, but he never quite got them to the promised land that David Shaw delivered them to. Now you enter into the chicken and egg debate of 
did David Shaw win because David Shaw is a good coach or did David Shaw win because of, of Jim Harbaugh's players by that same token? Well, then we would have to question the success that Harbaugh is having because those are hoax players, but nobody's going to do that because nobody thinks that Greg Brady Hoke is a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. But I do think that there's merit to what you just said. I think Harbaugh, really stocked the cupboard for Shaw and made his job a lot easier. And and there's Yeah, cuz look look at this year. Say how good that it can be for a coach. Go ahead. Here here's the thing about a college coach, you guys. The NFL, there's a lot of retreads in the NFL with coaching. And that is a little bit like, okay, enough of that already. But in, in the college ranks, you want to bring a guy out of the college ranks. What you're doing now is taking a shot on an unknown in Los Angeles. Is that smart? Now, if he does well and he wins, okay. <gasps> what if he doesn't? That's a costly error. You really have to have a proven winner. Now, a proven winner can fail, and I don't think you look as foolish doing that. You know, this, look, this is Los Angeles. The way people in Los Angeles see themselves, and, and, and I think New Yorkers see themselves like this too, is if you're going to make it in L.A., you've already got some experience there's a reason you're coming to L.A., right? So I think they would think that in the coaching ranks, too. New York was In New York, what they think is they're the best at everything in the whole wide world. So if you make it in New York or you want to come to New York, that's it. That is, that's a mentality, right? So I don't know that L.A. is the place to bring an un, unproven, right? Jim Moore could come back out of the ranks. You think Jim Moore would be okay? I'm telling you, he'd probably love to get away right now. No. <laughs> love to get out no. of UCLA. I, I don't think that – I think that Jim Moore uh, – Really, honestly, a lot of Jim Morris' success was tied in with Brett Hundley. I, I think, I don't know. Or, I or think in Atlanta, did, in Atlanta Michael Vick. Yeah, I, I think uh, Mora did a, a decent job with some things. But overall, when you look, you see, this comes full circle back to how the organization is run. If you look at UCLA and you remove the wins and you remove the Bruin revolution, what do you have? You have a lot of violence. You have a lot of guys that have been booted from the team. You have a lot of people that have yes, quit do. the team. And you have a lot of coaches that have had to have been let go for unscrupulous, you know, conduct. Yes, you do. So I don't necessarily know that bringing Jim Mora in improves your organizational moxie, I guess you could call it. I, That's I, a great I, point. In the same direction. You know, look at Chip Kelly. He's not doing a darn thing. He's not doing a darn thing. I don't. I do. I don't see the Chip Kelly thing working. It's not an experiment anymore. He's not doing anything. You know, how long does he get to stay before? Okay, it doesn't work. You yeah. know, oh, one and done. I, I just don't know. Yeah, maybe he is. I don't know. I mean, that stadium's empty. That stadium is empty. No one goes. Which is um, a so too. that thing is a cathedral, and it is nice. I like it. A lot of people hate it. I like it. It's better than Qualcomm. If we can do a crappy stadium listing, like Qualcomm belongs at the top of every chart. It is the worst stadium in the history. Oh, Oakland, Oakland. But but Qualcomm's pretty bad. But Oakland's okay. Fair enough. I haven't been to Oakland, so I I wouldn't know that one. But yeah, Yeah. I I for the Holiday Bowl two years in a row for Qualcomm, and I would be happy to never go back to that stadium again. 
1995, I traveled down to Rosebud, Texas to see a high school running back named LaDainine Tomlinson. That wasn't in a stadium. That was in somebody's backyard. That was the work. You guys are talking about that's, – that's a stadium. It had bathrooms. It had working plumbing. It had lights. You ever, you ever, seen, you ever seen a football hey, game in a place that was built by hand? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, this was in 2016. Liz, it Liz Habib, everybody. Liz Habib joined us in 2016, man. Liz Habib, <laughs> at Liz Habib. Katie, what, what else do we need to plug, Liz? Um, I need to build my Facebook. Uh, our, our station loves us to do the Facebook Lives. I don't do enough of them, but I do them occasionally. And I do talk about I talk about the team, like after a game or something. Liz Habib TV, I know, but just look at her. Yeah, y'all can find her. It's Facebook, Liz Habib. Y'all know. Just Liz Habib, yeah. L-I-Z-H-A-B-I-B. Liz, thanks for coming on social radio, man. Oh, you guys, you bet, you bet. I'm following you. I'm paying attention to you. We appreciate it. We definitely hope that you'll come back on and join us after the head coach has been decided. And we can decidedly look back at what stupid statements we made as a collective group. If you do it, you have to be willing to just go all on out. And sometimes you just look like an idiot. That's okay. I'm okay with some of the stuff I say. I'm pretty informed about it. Oh, no, you'll be the informed one. I will be the one looking like a (laughs) a jackass and being like David Shaw. And the rest feel like we never once considered that guy, you jerk. So he was walking through the facility, he was there. So, Elizabeth, everybody's under Liz consideration. Beep. All right, guys. <laughs> everybody, Elizabeth's under consideration. You don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Liz. I'll tell you what I would do hire the best quarterbacks coach I could. That's what I would do. And and that's probably what they will do. That is probably what they will do. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us, Liz. We certainly hope that we can get you back on in the future. And, uh, well, I mean, best of luck navigating the future of the L.A. Rams, uh, because Lord knows nobody does it better than you at this point. You're one of the most dogged reporters, and certainly you're following us, but we're following you. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> you're awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. I did not realize that was going to be that informative. That's kind of awesome. The the, the most interesting part of Liz's uh, interview, and uh, thanks to Liz for coming on and being as candid as she was, I thought it was awesome, is is the idea that Jeff Fisher controlled every every part of uh, of the franchise. The the idea that it, that that talking points were being mirrored. However, however that works, whoever's in charge of it, that, that Jeff Fisher's talking points were filtering down to, you know, communication staff that, like she said, an, an employee, I think that's what she said. An employee was given the idea that it was going to take 10 years that now that he's gone, like it, it, it's, it's confusing. The idea that everything was Jeff Fisher, everything was Jeff Fisher, everything was Jeff Fisher. Now he's gone. How how do they recalibrate from that? I, I find that odd. What, what she was saying that you know with the Eric Dickerson spat that that Jeff Fisher said that Eric Dickerson would make the players uncomfortable, and that Artist Twyman, who's the head of the communications department, said you know certain people would make the players uncomfortable. But he's gone now. Jeff Fisher's gone. You, you, there's no way to lean on that as some kind. And maybe it's true, and I'm not disputing that. But 
they got to move forward and they got to figure out a way to run this franchise. I just find it strange that if Jeff Fisher was the epicenter of everything, that when they would remove him, that there's not really something to replace that. Not not just as you know John Fassel as head coach. How do you run the organization? That's how I, I, I want to ask you a question that I brought in here, man, uh, and, and it goes straight in for the topic of the discussion of the week. Not C on our topics of discussion, but I feel like Liz covered so much that points A through, well, there was an A, B, and C above C. it that she pretty much covered as well. Um, but Fossil's been named the interim coach. How well does this sit with you, man? And I don't think it matters. I, I, to be honest, I could I couldn't have cared less who they. You know, it, it's the, the thing is it doesn't none none of the, the last couple games matter. The only thing you get out of this is preparing them for whatever's coming next. Two thousand seventeen. This offseason, you get a vision of who you're going to keep if you're the next head coach. You get an idea of which players truly are out there putting in work, and which players maybe are not doing what they need to do to help make the team better. I think because now that the team is gone, this is this is something that gets talked about in college a lot more than it gets talked about in pros. Whenever you got the new guy coming in, and it usually happens around bowl season, the coach will take that bowl season to look at the players and say, which of these guys are out there busting their ass? Which ones are just trying to skate by with talent? And that's why when the new coach comes in, you'll see some players that one that you're like, damn, that guy transferred? Why didn't he transfer? He did so well last year. Well, because the new coach saw something in him that the old coach apparently didn't give a damn about and just thought, I don't care. He's good on the field, so I'm going to keep him out there. Charlie Strong did that at Texas. Um, I'm curious if whomever they decide to take over, and I do find it interesting that David Shaw was out at the facilities. I think that I don't think that necessarily means anything, but it could. Uh, if you had somebody like a Shaw out there analyzing, saying, "Okay." These are the players that I see I could work with. I think that's the benefit of these last couple of games is because if you have guys that are going to quit on the team now that they're without a head coach and literally they cannot finish with a winning record, there are some dudes out there who are just frankly not going to try. It's sad to say, but it always happens. And I'm curious as to who, and maybe Joe, this is where you come in because you're the expert on this. Who do you think is not going to be with this team in 2017? Yeah. So, so that's the bigger issue, right? Is it, it, you think about guys? It, it, this is the NFL. This is a 17 week, a 16 game schedule. If there are guys who maybe aren't going a hundred percent these last three games when it doesn't matter, I I just and I I get what you're saying that the head coach might say those are guys that I don't want, but why why do you want guys who are gonna who are gonna bust their ass in a four and nine team in December like that 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 doesn't seem to be a strategy right the bigger strategy is when you're nine and four who's going to be going see you you see what I'm saying like if if there are guys who have been coasting all season uh you know I'd say Tavon Austin I'm not saying he has been but let's say Tavon Austin if they go back on tape and they see a couple plays where he's been coasting and now that they're four and nine and there's a new head coach and all of a sudden he busts his ass and you say oh you know He's given so much more effort. Well, why would you want him if this is a guy that for 13 weeks wasn't given it? That doesn't seem like the kind of strategy to approach building a roster for you that 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 
lends itself to success is all I'm saying. The, the, what, what I would say is most important out of these last three games is it, part, part of it's scouting and whether it's younger guys who don't have a lot of – take Tyler Higby. This is somebody who clearly has been underutilized and hasn't been uh, offered the full complement of the offense to see what he can do. Maybe you get a chance in three games to see what he can do and start building that. And when you look at the tight end position moving forward, you know maybe what you see out of these three games helps uh, determine personnel decisions. Um, for veterans, Kenny Britt, who's on a one-year deal, um, some of the older guys who are on the roster that are, are facing free agency coming up, they get three games to help build their tape. And whether that's with the Rams or across the NFL, they get a chance to say, look, here's what I can offer you, this uh, uh, the skill set that I have, and here's a chance to show you how it manifests, especially in good ways when, whenever they have good plays over these last three games. I think that's going to help. The, the, the other thing that you mentioned that I think is strange, and I think i got to go back to, is that the David Shaw stuff. And I, I can't think – this this goes back to this idea of that Jeff Fisher – I'm not saying he was a scapegoat. He deserved to be fired, and I thought they would have waited until the end of the season. But, look, they fired him. They got a leg up on the coaching competition. The, the idea of David Shaw as a potential head coach of the Rams, is there any other team in sports that would bring a team and a head coach in to visit that team, then fire their coach – their current coach, and then bring that visitor in as a potential. That that's that's almost the, the epicenter of dysfunction. Can you can you imagine what that would what kind of message that would? Are you send asking me if I can imagine the Rams doing it, or if I can imagine the message it would send? Because those are two separate Both. questions. <laughs> But the Rams already did it. They brought the they brought Stanford in. David Shaw got to. For but what I'm reason, saying is, what if they hired him? If they take this one step further and they hired him, now you've got a guy who was at the facilities. He was checking out the job before the dude that had it was fired. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? That they, Rams. They, it is that they're 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 bringing in people for prospective interviews and whatnot before they've even fired the head coach that he's replacing. Who have you seriously? Have you ever heard of any other sports team doing that? Uh, USC before maybe. Before the guy's been fired, before the guy's been fired, just bringing him in for a tour and saying, "Here's where your locker would be. Here's where your office would be." Oh, don't mind him. That's Jeff Fisher. He's the current head coach that we just extended. Yeah, a we'll be months. adjusting that here in a second. You know, you just go ahead and take around and put your feet up. <laughs> I've no. I've. At the time, here's what I'd say. It made sense. There are teams that bring in other coaching staffs, and especially when you talk about NFL to college, you say, you know, this is how we run things, and you get a chance for coaches to share, you know, schematic ideas, and this is what we do for this kind of coverage, and this is how our players go through practice, and this is the Monday to Thursday schedule. You know, that kind of shit. That makes total sense, but the idea that they would have brought David Shaw and the entire Stanford organization in with with some latent intent to possibly hire him while they had a sitting head coach. What's what's nuts about it is the precedent that sets. Imagine a year from now, imagine they'd hired David Shaw and a year from now they say, look, we want to bring in, you know, everybody from UCLA and we want to bring in Josh Rosen to learn from, uh, you know, Jared Goff. And we want to bring in every David Shaw's going to say, hell no. Cause the last time this happened, 
I got the job. Why would I? Why would I let these guys? It's just crazy that, and it's it's not impossible that they might not hire David Shaw. I'm just saying that this approach, and this is part of what Liz said, and this this was maybe the most disappointing answer that she gave, and I don't mean that disappointing from her in a sense. I just mean as a rant and disappointing. What what I said was that was the dysfunction limited to Jeff Fisher, and her answer was succinctly and sincerely, no. The answer was no, that this doesn't fix the inherent problems with the way that the franchise is being run. And, you know, she would know better than I. I don't necessarily disagree with her, but I don't have enough information to do that in the first place. But as a Rams fan, it's really disheartening just to 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 be able to sincerely believe to that. To think that your that problem is gone only to find yeah. out that it's just beginning? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, and and this isn't college, right? This isn't this this is a business, like she said. There's NFL businessmen and lawyers in New York, and the NFLPA in DC. This stuff is rooted deep, and you know, if you can't root it out by firing your head coach, then there might not be anything the Rams can really do to fix it. I want to I want to ask your personal opinion about something, man, and uh, it's sort of on top of we, we've seen the reports floating around. And uh, it's maybe maybe why Albert Breer was on the tip of my tongue a little bit earlier. But but we've seen the reports uh, floating around that the reason Fisher was where he was for as long as he was is because of the Kevin Martin relationship. Sure. Um, well, I do think that nepotism does a lot. I am not at all convinced that I think maybe Fisher got the benefit of the doubt on a second chance because of that, but I, I'm I'm not at all convinced that the the Kevin Martin dynamic was as for 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 at the risk of being redundant as dynamic as people are making it out to be. Like it was it was pervasive or something. I think it was one of those things that happened as a one off, you know, like, hey, Fish thinks he can fix this. You know, Kev, I believe in him. I've known this guy for a long time. If he thinks he can fix it, it's worth giving him another try. Ultimately the decision is yours, son. Son, okay, we're gonna extend him. It didn't save his job. No, you know what I'm saying. They they ended up firing him after the extension. Anyway, the the bigger problem I had was his comments in the presser that that eight and eight or seven and nine wouldn't have necessarily gotten him fired. It, it, and, and that's the bigger problem is that what Liz alluded to, what I've said multiple times, is that the results on the field don't matter that much, and they st- they still don't. That that for whatever I don't know if it's Demoff I don't know if it's Cronky I don't know if it's uh, you know outside influences what she was alluding to with the NFL that 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 this isn't a culture that lives and dies by winning this is a you got to remember this is a team that just re-extended or re-signed Tavon Austin to a mega deal. Why, why is Tavon Austin getting a huge contract? It's, it's not for anything he's done. Clearly he did that. His on-field production didn't warrant that kind of a contract. So it's either something they expect him to do, which you certainly couldn't have expected in Jeff Fisher's offense or for whatever he's doing off the field. 
And it's one of those things where on-field production as players, on-field wins and losses for coaches and and the staff just isn't the arbiter. And it's it's frustrating. That's what it really is. It's frustrating as a fan where where all I really give a shit about, I want the team to win. I, I, I get all this other stuff, and I understand the business. And look, Jeff Fisher seems like a great guy, and I'm glad he made $35 plus million from the team. And, you know, I hope he, you know, he sounds like he's got great relationships with all kinds of people and whatnot. And it's great that he's being able to move forward with his life and do all this other stuff, whatever he's going to find in the future. But as a Rams fan, I don't give a damn. I just want the 2017 Rams now to win. And it's just tough when you hear that that everything else around the culture is not focused on that. It's focused on all this other bullshit. Yeah. And, and, and the problem with a dysfunctional organization like that is until you figure out what the problem is, and here's the scary part for the Rams. You know, you ask Arsenal fans, oh, wait, I am asking one. Is Kroenke sure. the problem? Because if Kroenke is but- the problem, then you're up shit creek without a paddle. And the thing about Los Angeles is they won't give a shit. Look, look at USC. Imagine imagine going to USC the way Demoff did at his press conference saying, look, you know, the 4-9 start was troubling, but 8-8, eight 7-9 eight, and nine wouldn't have necessarily gotten him fired because he went through things on their head coach. Imagine saying that about Clay Helton, saying, you know, that Clay Helton went through a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, seven and five wouldn't have gotten him fired, or five, you know, six. Yeah, you know, what? What? Then what do you care about? If you don't care about the winning football, then what are you asking or, or football fans of your product to care about? What you want? You want the fans to care about how they handle marketing opportunities? What Liz would say, the Madden challenge. Is that what Rams fans really are supposed to get excited about? Forget the football game on Sunday. Todd Gurley's going to Michelson Toyota in San Bernardino. Come out Thursday at six. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? what this this idea that that anything else, anything besides the football itself, should supersede results is nuts. And yet, that's the culture that we're building. And, and, and Josh, you saw it. Todd Gurley's quotes from after the game were almost the Middle kind of quotes school from offense. It sounded but like it, Ezekiel it, Elliott, to, to be honest it, with you, after the Michigan State loss. That's the thing, is that Ezekiel Elliott had an out. He had an, When they refused to run him and they refused to run that offense, he knew he was gone. Todd Gurley stuck. That sounds like somebody who's ready to quit. I don't mean quit on the field. I mean quit the job. Who's willing to say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. I'm gone. Right? Halfway. That. And I'm not saying Todd Gurley's going to quit in any sense, but his quotes say he's not interested in being a part of this anymore. And I don't blame him because the culture that he's in isn't interested in making it happen. It's crazy, man. That That's the thing that's most frustrating is that whether it's Demoff or whether it, we've talked to Liz Habib, we've talked to, to reporters, we talked to Steve Weish, we've talked, we talked to all these people, and everybody's kind of – and I said it as an opinion, but everybody's corroborating this idea that the on-field product just isn't that important for the Rams. And I, I just don't understand 
why that's the case or how long it's going to last. But look, I mean, hey, here's what I'd say, man. Here's the cent- here's the central part of this podcast that we've barely kind of skirted around, and it's only because it happened, and it's it's almost you know something you move on from and say, look, where do we go from here? Jeff Fisher isn't the head coach of this football team anymore. The, for the for the last two and a half years, what I've had to do as the managing editor of Tertial Times is is get fans ready for this idea that this was coming, that there was going to be some relative level of disappointment, that there there, there was a chance for success. But as soon as it caved, we knew what we were going to get. We were going to get excuses. We were going to get, you know, media manipulation and let's say let's let's call it what it is: lies and uh, silliness and dealing with the media in a less than forthright manner and, and not caring about the fans. And when you throw relocation into that, obviously, the last couple of years, it's been a what's the what's the right word? It's it's excuse. been an almost unenjoyable. It, I mean, it's more than excuse. It's it, it's an unenjoyable excuse. It's it's one thing when it's an excuse and you've got some joy behind it. The Rams fans haven't had that for so long. This is, like I said, the franchise hasn't won in thirteen years. So you you can take an excuse in the middle of an eight and four season, right? If if you're eight and what you said in the podcast earlier, what if we end up with winning football? I'll take an excuse if we ten and five. You know what I'm saying? I'll t- I'll take that excuse. I'll take an excuse if you heading towards the college football playoff. I'll I'll let that excuse slide. But the Rams haven't had that. Jeff Fisher hasn't provided that. And so, you know, the, w- what's strange now? It, I, I'm I'm not as motivated by the coaching search as others are because the opportunity is more interesting to me than any of the candidates. Just to, just to get out from under Jeff Fisher and what Liz was saying that that. He dominated the, the operations of the franchise. I'm just excited by the opportunity to to turn the page and see what's possible in 2017 and beyond, man. Yeah, no doubt. That's pretty much all that Rams fans really can do at this point. And with that note, let's turn the page to some listener questions before we get out of here because we do have a couple good ones and a couple stupid ones. I'm so, going to build a drink. So the, the clink clink that you're hearing in the background is not the law. No, uh, I, I I don't. I, I, I know that sound all too well, my friend. I know that sound all too well. Ah, ah, so I'm going to get to the stupid one first. Sure. Only because it's not the person that asked it is stupid. Um, I just feel like this question comes up so damn often that there's no integrity to it anymore. It's just a question, if that makes sense. Like when people ask which came first, the chicken or the egg? Approximately 95% of the people who ask that question do not give one shit about the actual answer. So, in in that sense, will Nick Saban be a consideration <laughs> for them? Just stop, stop, just stop, man. <laughs> All right, thank you. That's that's what I wanted to. All right, moving on. Uh, no, oh, to that to that end, we did have a good question. It was somebody that said. Nick Saban might be interested because he hasn't had media. He hasn't. What was the right word? Media interest, or he hasn't gotten enough coverage. Who, who thinks that Nick Saban is hurting? For me? Come on, man. No, just, just no in any language in any form. No, 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 no. No. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Next question. Why did Fisher run Goff for a TD? Did he know he was losing his job? Was it a sign of So this is one of those things. And, it, you know, did, did Fisher run him? Or, you know, did, did Rob Boris call that play? 
Or did, did, did Jared Goff flex out of it? it? Here's what I'd say. There's no reason to do that. There's there's no reason in your rookie franchise quarterback's first season in, in a game when you're four and eight and losing to scramble like that and take and take the the read essentially it was a read option if I remember correctly. And then go into what you know you're gonna get pounded from two different guys. That that it, here's what I'd say. There are all the on-field football shit that's happened this season. If I'm Stan Kroenke, for the most part, I maybe I don't care. That I care about more than anything. That's that's risking the 2017 product more than anything. That's just it's. It, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. That in itself could be a 30 for 30. That for Rams fans. That that's one of those things where what whatever made that possible. That's just stupid. It's just pure. It's just um, Josh. Imagine this. Imagine Sam Darnold. You know, game one, and especially if it's not like USC Alabama, like it was this year. Imagine it's USC Cal Fullerton, or I don't know. And and you got Sam Darnold rushing. I'm not saying a QB sneak where he's just jumping over the top, rushing into two defenders week one. Why would you? Why would you do that? There's no. What's the value to doing that? If you're Sam Darnold against anybody, it's proving you're a boss. And for the record, I think Sam Darnold is sort of the wrong guy to pick on this one because he'd do it just to do it. But your point's well made any which way you hack it. This this is the future of your franchise, right? He did, and he scored the touch, and I get it. It proves toughness, and it proves grit, and he proves, hey, this is the play. Yeah, it's ballsy. Fuck ballsy. Put Put ballsy. In 2017, week 14, when it might matter. Don't right. do it last when you're down by the Cardinals by 30 points. I don't give a shit about Ballsy then. <laughs> I don't I don't care how gritty that's you ballsy. are. That's desperation. That's, oh, that's how we can score? You know, like, come on now, son. Um, all right. With Here's a good one, though, and I think this plays into, and this one's from Chris Grimm, 1981. It plays into our commentary about who will be around next year with 40 million dollars in cap space <laughs> what position should the rams address in the offseason my vote oh. offensive line. sure but i so here's the thing offensive line is five positions right and i get the idea that we throw out offensive line is kind of this one idea but I think you could but, move a couple guys around and I, I, sure. I, I think you may be all right, let me let me let me refine my answer to make it a little bit better for you. I, I think Brown's gotta go. Just not, okay. not for me. Um I think you stick with Jamon Brown. Okay. I I do think that you move Greg Robinson inside. Uh it's up whatever you want to do with Havenstein's I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I, I based on the line right there, those are I guess you could say three moves that I would make. Yeah, and, and I think the problem the, the the problem is the Rams don't have a first round pick, and it's not, it's not that that you know second through seventh round. Uh, assuming they get the compensatory pick for Janoris Jenkins, you know he's still got a huge class. You got six uh, draft picks that you can bring in, and any other compensatory picks, they might get some more. So you might have seven or eight uh, by the time they get done. Any trades, you know, uh, so they're going to have a class. 
Uh, they're going to have free agents. Here's the thing: free agency in the NFL is to patch teams. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not a foundation for team. You. You. For every Indomitian Sue and Janoris Jenkins, you've got uh, you know five, six, seven, eight Cody Sensabaugh's guys that you're bringing in just to fill out your roster and hope that they work. And if they don't, you move on to the next guy, another free agent or an undrafted free agent, whatever. Um, so in terms of the cap space and dealing with the offensive line. Yeah, I mean they got they got to get to work there, um, and it's not going to happen in one year. The the big one of the biggest problems that Fisher and Snead had together was that they waited so long to build an offensive line. They just didn't address it in any meaningful way outside of free agency for four years, until 2015 when they drafted what three four guys and went in on a huge crop of undrafted guys. It's not a way to build an offensive line in the NFL. So, uh, you know, you'd like to see whoever comes in and assuming. Uh, Sneed's there with his new head coach, and if he's not uh, a new full head coach, general manager, uh, administration, uh, you know, comes in and starts to address the offensive line in a meaningful way day one. Um, moving Greg Robinson, I don't have a problem with it. He, he's not uh, he's not starring at left tackle, and the idea that it's going to take that long to get uh, a number two pick up to par that's just not acceptable. Uh, the the problem for the Rams is they got so many other needs. You know, they don't have a number one wide receiver. Uh, ah, nine, put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. We got some questions there. Yeah, let's put a pin in that. Uh, linebacker, especially if you have somebody that wants to come and run a legitimate 4-3, you don't have three linebackers. Um, uh, and especially if somebody doesn't, whether Greg Williams moves on or not, if you don't want that hybrid position, that joker position, Mark Barron's maybe not as useful as what they re-signed him for. And they don't have three legitimate linebackers. They don't have a traditional strong safety, free safety combination, which is something that's going to be interesting. I know we're recording this Wednesday night. and uh, Not a ton of people are going to be able to listen to this before the game tomorrow. But you're going to see this with Maurice Alexander out. They, the Rams don't have a strong safety, free safety. They have two one-tops. Uh, and, and so we're going to see that tomorrow night, probably with Cody Davis back there as a starting safety alongside TJ McDonald, who you obviously know well from his time at USC. Uh, we'll have to see, man. There's a lot of needs. And that, that's that's not assuming any attrition. Look, if Trumaine Johnson, who's on a franchise tag, doesn't resign, cornerback might be one of the top two or three needs. Uh, who, who knows who else is leaving this team? So that, that's the bigger problem is that Jeff Fisher had – Full autonomy. He had the RG3 trade. They built this roster out, and it was in a position to win. And they just didn't get it done. And because they didn't do that, and because of the Jared Goff trade, now you're, you're limited on means. And, and whoever it is that comes in as head coach is getting strapped to a degree that Jeff Fisher was never strapped to. Uh, and it's going to be unfair, but that look, that's the way the world works. And uh, we're going to have to see how they make uh, the most out of those limited opportunities for personnel. All right, so picking up the pin, let's talk about Michael Floyd. Released by the Cardinals for DUI. Definitely one of those guys that that you look at and say, he's got all the talent in the world, but he's got some off-the-field issues. Sure. You need a number one receiver, and one just became available. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, eight. Beggars can't be choosers. You know, I, I think if you get a new head coach in here and he's amenable to him and he fits the system, I don't see any reason why that shouldn't be an option for the Rams. Period. I don't see why they don't claim I mean, him tomorrow, that, today. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. No, what were you going to say about that? No, I was just going to say, I mean, there's a, 
I, I get the idea that, you know, you want to have standards and you want to do this and that, and that there's other mitigating factors. This is the Rams we're talking about. They're rolling out Brian Quick. Kenny Britt's your top receiver. What Michael? It's Michael Floyd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Michael Floyd. Like I said, beggars can't be choosers. This, there's no way around it. If the coach is cool with him in the locker room and you know the team's open to him, that like you said, there's no reason not to go ahead and just do it now. What kind of an impact do you think he could have though with this team? Knowing that you've seen him as as a division well, rival, what kind of an impact can he have on this team with God? I don't. Yeah, I don't even care about the division rival. Here's here's the bigger thing. I have no idea what this offense is capable of outside of Jeff Fisher. I've we haven't seen it. We haven't seen Jared Goff run a run an NFL offense where on third and five he's allowed to throw beyond a three yard route, right? That the wide receivers are running six, seven, eight yard routes. I have I have no idea what he could do, Michael Floyd, who's used to running fifteen yard ins. I I, I have no clue. I, I've never seen. I, I haven't seen the Rams do that with any consistency. But you, if you watch Rams games, you know when it's third and double digits, the Rams are going to run the ball because they're not interested in picking up the first down. They're going to run the ball, pick up a couple yards, punt, and play defense. That's just the whole system. So when you pick up a guy like Michael Floyd, who who in, in those situations could pick you up a first down, I have no clue if they're even going to let him do that. I, I, I'm here's what I'd say, Jess. I'm certainly open to it. I'm certainly interested in it, but I have no idea if they're going to do it under John. I have no idea if they do it in the next guy, but I have no, I have no problem actually trying to play football. (laughs) Well, here you go. Maybe Chase will get some carries this week with Fossil as the head coach. Good old Texans. Johnny wants to know. Is, is, let me ask you this. Is Chase Reynolds not playing a running back? Is that what's holding us back? Right, right. Is Chase Reynolds the reason that the Rams are four and nine? You know, Todd Gurley's out there. Come on, <laughs> and I get it. Maybe there's some physicians. Look, we get the chance. To, here's what I'd say. Forget I mean, Chase. You know what? I, let me just throw this okay. in real quick because I know you're going to answer. Yeah. This is this would be my answer to this question. When you're getting your ass kicked like the Rams are getting their ass kicked, to it doesn't. Anybody Chase in. could very definitely get carries. Yeah, put in I don't care. Like, I want to see Tyler Higby get plays. I want to see Farrah Cooper get plays. I want to see Mike Thomas get plays. I want to see Tameric Hemingway play get plays. Put in Chase, put in Malcolm Brown. If Malcolm Brown doesn't get time, well, especially with Benny Cunningham out, what this is the easiest time you get to evaluate these guys with meaningful snaps. This isn't the preseason, this isn't training camp, this is the Seattle Seahawks. They're playing for the playoffs. So if you want to get a sense of what Jared Goff can do, what kind of rapport he has with Tavon Austin and Farrell Cooper, you're not going to get a better opportunity than tomorrow night. Throw him out. Throw him out. Forget Brian Quick and Kenny Britt. And I'm not saying those guys can't play, but we know we know what those guys can do. And mm-hmm. if you want to see what they can do outside the yoke of Jeff Fisher, okay, then do it. But there's no there's no reason do to you have think Coach Bones will though. I don't know. That's I, I have no idea. I have no clue. Well, I mean, we'll see. What's interesting is that this is the first of three games. So if we don't tomorrow, there's there's probably not as much reason to hope for as much, you know, the last two games. But, well, that might not necessarily be the case. I would disagree with you there for one reason and one reason only. I think if you're an interim coach coming in on a short week, a Thursday night game, you might just stick with what Jeff had drilled that week. 
but, or had had planned for that week. And then the following week, you start to branch out and try different things. The, the only thing I would ask is, what are you, for what? What are you trying to accomplish by doing that? Uh, well, if you're fossil, you're trying not to look like a complete tool on your first day on the job. You're, you're just trying to get in there, look like you can coach a team, maybe gain some trust with your players who, if you look and you remember, none of these players wanted to see fish gone according to what they sure. said publicly. So if you go in there and give them every reason to believe that there's going to be sort of a seamless transition between fossil and Fisher, that might appeal to the players. And if that's the case, I can see the functionality in it. The, the only thing I would say is these are, these are grown men, man. They, they know Three games after this, John Fossil ain't gonna be the head coach of the Rams. This this coaching search is going into I full said gear. That too, but you know, LA has a funny way of picking guys for the job. Like I, I said after the Pac-12 title game that Clay Hilton wouldn't make it out of the month of <laughs> of, of September in the following season. And you know, one in three, well, I sure as hell didn't think he was. But then. Sure. Sam Arnold came along and saved Clay Helton's job. I, I still don't think Clay Helton will be the long-term solution at USC. I don't give a damn what they accomplished this year. You can, hey, Lane Kiffin won 10 games. That didn't mean he yeah. was the future of USC, you know? It, <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I just know that when players talk about loving a coach so much, and, and I've been through this with SC, when you keep those game plans similar, when you put guys in a familiar role, they tend to excel at least for a week. Here's what, here's what I'd say. We had a great interview with Lisa Beeb earlier. Can you can you imagine the Rams trying to float the idea of John Fossil as the sexy pick <laughs> for, for the Los Angeles Rams? We're going to promote our special teams coach. <laughs> Our special teams coach has taken over. Take that, Los Angeles. Put that on your billboard. The new Rams head coach, Fossil. <laughs> it's the Bones era. Forget to forget ten years. We got Bones. Get guys up to two. It. It's okay. So, since you're talking about the head coach What's up, again, um, does it strike you guys odd that Fossil was the go-to guy? To replace no. Fisher as the interim guy? What's more odd about the situation, Scotty, being straightforward and honest, is that after they fired, they fired Fisher without knowing who the interim was going to be. Oh, okay. That is what struck me odd. But then Liz came on here and clarified that for me, so it no longer strikes me as odd. Because I, well, I would have yeah, thought it would have been no. maybe Greg Williams, Greg Williams, seeing as he had yeah. head coaching experience. But, so Chichester. here's what I'd say. It, Sure, that certainly too. But here's the thing is that you only appoint Greg Williams if the football matters. The football doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the Rams go 0-3, right? And I get I get what you're saying, Josh, is that the Rams don't want to get embarrassed, and John Fossil certainly doesn't want to get embarrassed. But coaching, yeah, and y'all know this, coaching is more just what you're doing in the game. And that's what that's not what Jeff Fisher was retained for in the first place. What what John Fossil offers in terms of his, you know, head coaching ac- acumen 
and his ability to think about what he's done since he took over. He hasn't coached a minute of, you know, NFL football in terms of game time, but he's had to manage the transition from Jeff Fisher. He's had to run practices. He's had to address guys who are worried about their, their professional futures. He's had to deal with rookies who pre- and guys coming back from injury who are, you know, concerned about, okay, should I really press it? I'm not, I'm maybe not a hundred percent. Do I need to play in this game? Is it worth it to go for it? You know, he's dealing with all kinds of shit. And and those are the kind of things that I think are more important than just, are you a good coach on Sunday? You know, what uh, I toss in Fossil's hat, too, you know, since you're heaping praise on him, man, is you look at how many times this year have we come on this podcast, and you in particular, talked about the special teams played perfect. Special teams, yeah. How many times have you said that? Now, you don't get that kind of perfection without quality coaching without a coach busting those players ass jumping down their throat making sure that they are not committing blocks in the back making sure that they are not committing derps uh just you know these are things that the rams were doing too much as a regular team never mind the special teams yeah there's some hope for me that fossil can maybe mitigate some of that or, or at least, uh, here's what I'd say. He's earned the opportunity. Isn't uh, I, I have, I don't, I can get the idea that Greg Williams, certainly with his experience and his resume, maybe would have been the likelier or easier choice. But I, I have, I have absolutely no problem with John Fossil getting the reins for these last three games and seeing what he can do. Can you imagine if he opens up the game book? If Jared Goff comes out and starts throwing deep passes. With you any kind of regularity, actually been a, a, a damn good head coach all along. Just nobody knew it. <laughs> that that we've had Jeff Fisher, and meanwhile here's John Fossil ready to. <laughs> that the offensive coordinator that wasn't the. I'm just saying, man, it's one of those things where you know you're four and nine. There's not there's no harm in letting him turn it up, and and, and if he doesn't, so what? He doesn't. We've been talking about Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw. 2017 is all that matters. That there's nothing to lose here. So he's in the best position that 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 even if he fails, like you were alluding to, someone he's going to get another job because of what he does he's for special teams. Following Jeff Fisher, who was one game away from being the losingest coach of all time, so at least he can say, "Well, look, with this roster." We were about to make Jeff Fisher the, the losingest coach all time. I was busy coaching special teams. I only got to take over the team in week sixteen, week 15. I didn't have a chance to really build these guys and build a relationship. He's got everything. There's nothing wrong with this. It's a it's a win-win regardless. And, you know, the, the unfortunate part for Rams fans is that it's week 15. We had to wait this long to start turning it over. But we'll see, man. E- either way, you know, this there are games to worry about winning and losing. This isn't one of them, dude. This ain't one of them. All right, speaking of winning and losing, we got a couple last questions before we get out of here. Now, this one I've always found intriguing, but I've got some thoughts on it, some 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 hot take thoughts on it. But I'll let you go first. Uh, Coach V. Gonzalez wants to know, has anyone reached out to Urban Meyer if he wants a shot at the NFL? You go first, and I'll take this one. I don't, I don't have anything. Let me hear your hot take. I'm interested. I would not hand Jack over to Urban Meyer in in a professional sense. Urban Meyer, for my money, is the best college head coach in the game today. 
I don't give a shit about Nick Saban and his 15 billion titles with Alabama. You take Nick Saban, you put him at USC, I don't think he gets the same production. I think Alabama is Alabama, and when you have the staff that Alabama has, they have the largest coaching staff in the nation. And we're talking about dudes like Fresno State's offensive coordinator last year was just chilling there as an offensive assistant. You know, you have actual OCs and DCs from quality programs that are sitting there as just an assistant on Saban's staff to be part of that because they know that you go from Alabama to somewhere else. Um, Urban, look, did you look at what he's done? This guy is a winner everywhere he goes. I mean, Utah, Florida, Bowling Green. Now at, at the Ohio State University, uh, Urban's good. Urban's damn good. But he's a college coach if I've ever seen one. Everything about Urban Meyer is geared towards college. His play setup. Now his defenses may be NFL prone and good and ready, but Urban's a college coach. He's wired for the college game, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a guy being a lifer in college. I just don't think Urban's... And you can look at this and see maybe some of his guys that have translated uh, to the NFL. that It's it's not gone over swimmingly, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, And and I I just... I I see why everybody goes back to Urban. I truthfully do. You look at the man, you look at what he accomplishes, and it's just stupid. But there are just some guys that are meant to be a head coach in the NFL, and there are other guys who are meant to be a head coach in college. And I think Urban falls under the latter. The biggest difference between college and football, especially when you talk about head coaches, is the difference between recruiting Mm -hmm. and being able to develop a draft. The, the Rams, you know, the, uh, assuming that we get the third-round compensatory pick for Janoris Jenkins, whenever we pick in the third round, let's say that's the 71st pick because I don't want to say 69. Let's say that the Rams' third-round pick is the 71st pick. That means they have one pick in the top 70. They have one player in the top 70 in the entire country to help improve their team. If you're Urban Meyer and you're at Ohio State – you're you're likely going to get more than one of the top seven, and even if you only get one, from I believe Ohio State has the number one recruiting class in the nation right now. Uh, if not number uh, one, number two. Yeah, the, the the Rams. You know, even if they had held their number, their top, their first round pick, you get to pick fifth and thirty seventh and seventieth or whatever. If you're Ohio State, you can pick first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Now you're fighting with Alabama and whoever else is dealing. But you get the chance to go over and over and over and over and over with that top talent. The biggest difficulty with with the NFL structure the way it is, and it's fair, is that you don't get to get the best guys every year. And so you have to figure out not just how to make the great guys great, but how to make shitty guys great. How to make undrafted free agents playable. Every single year. And there are teams of walk-ons, but you got to do it every single year. Alabama ain't doing this. Ohio State ain't doing this. You know, you know the judge Clemson ain't doing this in any real degree. And if they are, then after Deshaun Watson is gone, they're going to have to deal with being outside the top 25 again. You've got to deal with 
making those guys workable. And, and unlike college, where Deshaun Watson is a Heisman winner, Lamar Jackson is a Heisman winner, where, you know, uh, JT Barrett and uh, what's his name? Oh, boy, that, that, that won the championship, the, the Cardale Jones. Yeah, those guys can be stars in college. When you get to the NFL, that shit don't run, man. You can't get around that. The NFL is too damn good. Everybody that talks about this idea that Alabama would beat this team or Ohio State would Stupid beat this Stupid ass. Are, I, are man, I hate that argument. I hate it. Dude, college don't even start in the NFL. It's crazy. The NFL's like, so much better. I don't man. give a shit if Alabama runs the entire season undefeated. And then, and then took on the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns would humiliate Alabama in a way that, like, the score would be fifty-nine to nothing, Cleveland. It's so silly, and that's the that's the difference between college and football. It's like, and I know. Let's bring this back to Urban Meyer. You're right. Urban Meyer is a phenomenal coach, and he's been a phenomenal recruiter. But the challenge you get at the NFL is entirely different. And let's keep in mind, the challenge of college drove him away from the game. Exactly. That's the thing, is that the challenge in college is hard in and of itself. The challenge in the NFL is, how do you make the guys at the back end sufficient? You don't have to do that when you're Ohio State and you lose. How many guys did they lose in the first round last year? Seven? Or say in the first round. You know, and they just restocked because they had everybody there. You don't, you don't, there's not an NFL team that will ever, 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 ever do that. That's not, that's not possible. The entire system is built to deny that possibility. So, I get, I get it. The, the urban mind. When, when you when, and this is the thing we're gonna deal in this. I'm wiping my face, Josh, because we're gonna deal with so much of this moving forward. When you talk about coaches, you you can't just deal with the idea that they've done this with other teams and other situations, and especially with college, because the difficulty in the NFL is how do I make how do I make Troy Hill make it through this week. How how do I make sure Benny you know Benny Cunningham's out? A Troy Todd Gurley's not going to make you know every play that I need him to. I got to get something else somewhere. Who's going to make a play? We see this every year, and this is the first year where you've had the L.A. Rams. Watch the NFL playoffs. There's going to be some jackamole who who nobody who plays fantasy football has paid attention to. Who who this team didn't care about. Their fourth wide receiver on some random ass play is going to make a play, and, and it's mm-hmm. not that the guy's good. It's not that the system works. It's that they've built in some mitigation plan so that when they need it, there's a guy to do that. You just don't have to do that in college because you've recruited, you know, one of the top twenty wide receivers every single season. Look at USC. USC's recruited. You ain't never got to do this in the NFL. You have to do it. You've got to draft somebody in the fifth round you got to draft somebody in the sixth and seventh round you got to take undrafted free agents and you got to build your roster to make them a functional part of of those weeks when you don't have everybody else working and that's the difference Mm -hmm. absolutely sir um all right final couple questions here last two would you like to see an all navy uniform with a white helmet and navy blue horns i would like to see what that looks like and that's rated rdb in general, I'd love it. Look, here's the problem with the uniform. Everybody wants us to go back to the throwback uniforms. I want us to go back to the throwback uniform. You know who doesn't want to? 
the Rams. You know why? Because if they come up with a new uniform, they're going to sell all kinds of new uniforms. They're going to sell like – they'll still sell the throwbacks. But if they have Josh Webb design some weird purple and chartreuse, I don't know, whatever, whatever they're going to design with a new logo and a new uniform, they'll sell a billion of them, and they'll make a billion more dollars. And that's – it's stupid. But that's the modern NFL, man. That's where we are. I'd love the old – I still got my old Jerome Bettis and Isaac Bruce jerseys from the old NFL, uh, the old L.A. Rams. I'd, lo- I'd love the Rams to go back to that. I'd love to, for them to go to the blue and white. And, and look, they're going to rock the helmets. they got to go all white. And I think this is fair for colorblind viewers this week on Thursday Night Football tomorrow night. And I think it'll be cool to go blue and white. But they're doing this as a silliness, you know, Thursday Night Football thing with the color rush. Everybody wants them to go. You won't. You won't find a situation related to uniforms near more unanimity than this. Everybody wants them to go to the old throwbacks. Everybody does, and they still won't do it. And that should tell you something. It, 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 but it is stupid because I've never seen anybody a more obvious. A more yeah, obvious story. It's, it's, it's sort of like when you're. Man, I, I just don't know any other way to put it. It's the most obvious solution. It's Occam's razor, man. The fans want it. It would be great for the league. The the, the ex players want it because it it helps connect them to the newer era. And I'm sure there's a huge disconnect with guys like Deacon, excuse me, Deacon Jones and Eric Dickerson, and the new era of fans. They'd love it. They'd love it. Eric Dickerson and Deacon Jones would love seeing the Rams in that shit. I'm not talking about them loving to see it. I'm saying that that by doing these throwbacks, you are connecting the past with the present. So the, yeah. And, and because the Rams have been gone for so long, there is going to be an ample number of people who become Rams fans who for the first Two to three years of their lives are not even going to know who the hell Deacon Jones is. Sure. I'm talking about the life sure. I'm not talking about you guys sitting here listening to this podcast every week. Yeah. Talking no. about the evolution and the maturation of every NFL fan base. You need new what fans. Liz, Liz Habib was talking to What's up? What Liz Habib was talking about. That's who she was talking about. You need to be able to connect that, though. And the way to do that is to connect the past with the present. And, and those uniforms, because they look so sick anyways, they're almost like a throwback as it is. How are you sitting on a gold mine and you're just going to turn around and say, nah, we'd rather play with these ugly ones? Here's what worries me. This is the easiest, this to, to me, is the easiest decision you'll ever have to run a team, and they're still botching it. Let's go to the next question, because this is just going to depress. This is like Liz Habib saying no. It's just depressing to know that they're going to botch this. Who do you want as the next Rams head coach? That's our Twitter poll. To be honest, here's the thing. We're out from Jeff Fisher, man. What, everything's up. Everything's there's almost there's thirty-seven percent over thirty-two percent to Gruden. I get I get the reasons why not to go Gruden. Here's the thing: we just moved on from Jeff Fisher. I'm okay. I and maybe this is my fault that I've been beaten down by Jeff Fisher to not have high enough standards. The the only the only name that I'm not comfortable with is North Turner. That's the only one where I'd say no. I don't want to deal with that. 
it's not that I've had no problem with John Gruden. Here's what I'd say. John Gruden just saw why Jeff Fisher got fired. An unwillingness to adapt and, uh, you know, outside of the early part of Tavon Austin's career and uh, an absolute, you know, uh, staunch dedication to a football philosophy that didn't fit the modern NFL rulebook. And that you'd have to think you'd have to think it won't even get to that point. If John Gruden isn't willing to adhere to that, then the Rams aren't going to hire him. And if they, if they, if the talks get to that point where they're willing to explore that, and then they get to up to some point where they're willing to hire him, then it's got to mean that they're willing to do that, that he's willing to do that and open up things. And so, so why, why North Turner? Why, why the patent no on North Turner, but and I don't care for a guy who's been out of the league for a decade plus. The, the biggest thing about North Turner is the same thing with Jeff Fisher, is that he, unlike John Gruden, who's, who's been out of the game for so long, he's had so many opportunities. His resume is so long. And just like Jeff Fisher, th- there's there's no uncertainty. You, you know what's coming. North Turner had the – he literally quit on the Vikings – who were so bad at the time they were worse than the than the Rams in some aspects offensively. If if people want something different on offense, there's no there's nobody worse than North Turner. And I mean this from an NFL North Turner just like Jeff Fisher is an NFL guy. He's an NFL guy. He's an NFL guy. There's no way to get away from it. This is who he's North Turner. You get that Air Coriel system. Uh, here's the thing: If you're gonna do that, there's a there's a thousand other, there's a thousand other names to get to first. What if about as an OC? No. Who? What about North Turner as an OC? <sighs> It, the only thing I, the only thing I worry about is the wide receivers. In, in order to run North Turner, what he'd want to do in the Coryell system, you got to get two or three other guys. And <laughs> if we're talking about dealing with the offensive line and the linebackers and who else, who the hell knows what else, what other things we got to deal with over the next two years? It may take us forever to get those guys. I get it. When you've got three, four legitimate wide receivers, then North Turner's system makes sense with the right quarterback. We're not going to have that. We can't wait for that, man. We can't wait. There's there's too many other options. There's so many other options, and all of them I'm fine with. He's the he's the only one that I'm uncomfortable with. We talk about John Gruden. I have no problem with John Gruden. I'm not I'm not necessarily as excited about him as some other people are. But we're getting away from Jeff Fisher, dude. Jeff Fisher, who was one game away from the losingest football head coach of all time. John Gruden's in a better position than Jeff Fisher. That's my only point. That's a fair point. John Gruden does have a Super Bowl title. Jeff Fisher has a losing uh, head coach. In the and, and maybe what John Gruden's seen in the last couple of years is, you know, allowed him to, to to add some wrinkles to his playbook and you know to modify things differently. And yeah, the, the Spider Two Y Banana is gonna Spider Two. It's fine. Can you imagine how many Spider Two Y Banana jokes there are gonna be if he comes back to the NFL? The the Rams personnel is not that bad. The roster is not that bad. It's not a bad roster. So. You know, it's in a good place, man. I'm I'm much more open to all kinds of candidates than I was when Jeff Fisher took the job. I'll put it like that. That's fair enough, man. That's fair enough. Well, uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up here. Um, 
Scotty, uh, we appreciate you, as always, taking time out of your day and coming up with this nifty fix that allows us to talk to people via Skype since it's an asshole and he never wants to work for us. Bless you for that. Now, uh, for you listeners, we had intended on slapping in our conversation with Benjamin Albright as a, uh, a supplement to the Liz Habib, but we, our lightning rounds are never really lightning rounds. They're like a, a slow rolling thunder round. Um, and that's nobody's wow. fault. That's, that's, that's a communal that's effort. Don't lie. Don't lie. That's my fault. <laughs> it's a communal no. effort, dude. If I, if I, if I kept you on point, like you keep everybody on point for the site, then we wouldn't get there. But I don't, and uh, you know that's my job, and I'm not doing it. So <laughs> it's a communal effort. Well, and I'll, but, I'll also take a little bit of the credit on this one. I, I, I did keep the show a little bit too long on Mark Davis, so I'll take a little bit of that. Oh, hey, that's fine. So. So here's how we're ending the episode of Tertiary. Everybody sucks. We all suck. We're all we horrible. <laughs> Everybody sucks. And we will catch you next time here. You can find us on Twitter at Tertiary Times. You can find me on Twitter at Fight on Twist. You can find Joe on Twitter at Turf Show Times sometimes and other times at 3K underscore. Our producer is Scotty J Sports. You can find him on Twitter. I highly recommend it. <clears throat> uh... A good-natured Niners fan, but he has never once turned us down uh, for getting this show off the ground, and we're eternally grateful to Scotty. He has really helped make Turf Show Times uh, what it is, and uh, yeah, I can't encourage you guys enough to give him a follow. Um, He really does do this week in, week out, without collecting a penny, and not even really being a Rams fan. Like, it if that isn't the definition of a good dude, I don't know what is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's fun, so, guys. Uh, it's fun. I'm enjoying hey, it. It's our pleasure, Scott. We enjoy you, man. And um, you also come up with some good questions on the podcast, too. So it's, even it, if, it, it's even, if, even just, if they are about the Raiders. Yeah, and even if just tell me that my questions are absolutely asinine, which tonight one of them was, but that's all right. Hey, that's, well, all, that's of, all of ours are. Yeah, dude. I think every one of us got shot down with a that stupid. So don't feel don't feel too bad, Scott. Yeah. One of, one of the questions I asked was stupid, but um, yeah. With that, we're gonna get out of here. So we will catch you next time next week. And the Benjamin Albright episode will be put up as a special to go along with this one. So look for both of those tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, man, we will catch you guys next week here on Turf Show Radio. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include... Doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>